Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And we're into extra time! Kia ora and welcome to RNZ's Extra Time. I'm Bridget Honeycliffe. Well, the annual Will He, Won't He story about Roger Tuivasa-Shek leaving the Warriors and heading to rugby appeared again on cue last week. And this time it turns out he really is jumping ship. This season will be the 27-year-old's last at the Warriors as he chases his boyhood dream of making the All Blacks and playing at the 2023 World Cup. But can he crack it in rugby? Also on Extra Time this week, we ask, has cricket got a problem with racism in the wake of two incidents in Wellington and Hawke's Bay? And snowboarder Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott tells us what's in store for 2021 after her recent success at the X Games in Colorado. Joining me, me on Extra Time is sports journalist Hamish Bidwell, RNZ's resident rugby reporter Joe Porter and locker room's Ashley Stanley. So, Roger Tuivasa-Shek is heading to Rugby Union, but can he cut it, and where does it leave the Warriors? Benji Marshall tried his hand at Rugby Union in 2014, but was very underwhelming before returning to league. RTS, though, says this is something he's wanted to do for some time. It's always been there, and it's no secret. It's been popping up in the news here and there, because rugby's been the game that I grew up playing in. You know, rugby is where I, I started my, my junior footy playing rugby right through, so it's always been there in the background. And you know, I've been getting a lot of people saying you, you go into the All Blacks, but that's a bit disrespectful to a brand like that. So, you just my, my whole thing is just to go back and play rugby. You know, you don't just walk into a brand like the All Blacks, you got to earn, earn your way in. And first is, is just having a crack at it. And like I said, I grew up playing rugby, so it's just going back and having a crack at it. It looks like Roger is destined to play his domestic rugby in Auckland and head to the Blues. Earlier this week, Blues and All Black player Caleb Clark said he was confident RTS will be a success. When you've got such an awesome athlete such as Roger, um, who could probably adapt to any form of the game, I think any team would be lucky to have him. He's got fast footwork, he's quick, high ball skills that he has from league, he's a real good defender. He won't have any sort of problem coming over and learning the game. So, Hamish, RTS heading to rugby, what do you make of it all? It's about five years too late for me. He might have made a success of it then, but this is a um, this is at a time where his career is winding down. This is at a time where he's so far removed from rugby, it's not funny. Nothing that he's done in rugby league will equip him for what he's about to do in rugby. We're not so badly off for talent in New Zealand that we need 28-year-old rookie wings. I mean, he's just going to end up on the wings. He can't play fullback. I'd like him in time to be a 12, but he's not going to be in rugby long enough. He'll be gone by the end of 2023 to Japan for another soft landing over there, depending on his family situation. Let's be honest, the dream isn't the All Blacks. The dream is to live in Auckland. The dream is not to be based with the Warriors in Australia forever. That's why he came back from Sydney in the first place, to be in Auckland. It suits his family life, and they we all know what happened with the Warriors last year being in Australia for the NRL season. We know that they're there now. We know that they may remain 
remain there for this whole season. And so I understand from a personal point of view, from a domestic sort of home life point of view, why rugby and the Blues are appealing. But let's not pretend this is a rugby decision. And I, I, I don't understand what New Zealand rugby see in this. I understand what's in it for Tuivasa Sheck. It's a great move for him. It's a payday late in his career. It's a chance to be based at home. We can talk about dreams and you know the, my, the game of my youth and all that malarkey, but it's 11 years since he played a game of, of any sort of significance. So let's, let's dismiss all that. But what's in it for New Zealand rugby? Why do they need another high-priced outside back? They're already having to pay Bowden, play Bowden Barrett at 15 because he's on a million a year and they need to get some bang for their buck. They've already got any number of wings and outside backs, Jordan, uh, the Clark, um, Geordie Barrett, George Bridge, Sever Reese, you could go on and on. We don't, we don't need Roger Tuivasa-Sheck to come in and, and revitalise or rejuvenate All Blacks rugby. He just seems an expensive waste of time to me. And I, as I say, I get why he's doing it, but let's not pretend it's an emotional homecoming and a fulfilment of a dream. It, it's far from that. Joe, from a marketing point of view, though, he's a popular, well-liked guy. Um, can you see the appeal from the all-black side on that level? Certainly the blues, I guess. They get to sort of, you know, complement their already star-studded Polynesian backline with... But sorry, you know, mate, but where's he going to play? You've got Talia, you've got uh, well, Gordon Clark on the wings. Not you've got... this year. So yes, but... But Tuivasa-Sheck's not there either this year. So, so they'll the... both be back next year. Correct. He's not going to play 10. He's not going to play 15. I think he'll have to play on the wing, probably. But you've got Talia and Clark there already. So Talia was nearly the best player in Super Rugby last year. I agree Clark's with you in the sense that the, I think he would rise. make a great second five, given the time to yep. develop into one. He's got quick feet, he's yep. strong and powerful, good acceleration, seems to make good decisions with the ball in hand. Um, but at 28, how many outside backs are past their prime? Most of them. Yes. Let's be honest. Yeah. And we've got a lot of young talent coming through. So there will be a big log jam there, and that's why I suppose there's noises about him playing in the midfield. From an All Blacks and Blues perspective, they get the biggest name in New Zealand Rugby League, I guess outside of Sean Johnson, coming to rugby. So it seems like a coup for them to the uneducated, I guess. And it gets possibly some bums on seats at Eden Park from the South Auckland crew who have had a, you know, a traditional love for the Warriors more than they have for the Blues. So perhaps they see it there as, you know, reaching out to the South Auckland community and, and getting one of their favourite sons within their sort of auspices. I think it's really just a marketing tool. Whether or not he'll make the All Blacks, I certainly think he's got enough raw talent to have had at some point. If he'd come earlier, it, he may have left his run a little bit too late for 2023, especially if it's the outside backs he's targeting. But y- you never know, he is... A hard-working guy. He seems to have a good work ethic and, you know, shows up first, leaves last, all that sort of stuff that makes him a good teammate. So in that sense, he might be another sort of Sonny Bill-type character and showing the young kids how to be a professional athlete at a, at a club and bring something in that essence. But I think he might be running out of time to make this World Cup. Ashley, it's not like Roger can ease into this code switch under the radar. Um, not that he would, he's probably going to admit it, but how much pressure do you think he'll be feeling to make this a success? I don't feel like he'll have any pressure. To be honest, I disagree with both Hamish and Joe. Yeah, sure. I really actually think that he's going to have a really good crack at rugby. Um, like Joe mentioned, he's he's the utmost professional. The dude is is always willing to be working on skill development. And I mean, like, it's a bit different to Benji. He's got a touch background, whereas Roger has played rugby before. And yes, he is going to have to try and fit into certain defensive and attacking patterns at the Blues most likely and with the ABs but if NZR are investing in him to come over then obviously they see something I mean you've mentioned players that have but um you know that are okay to be on the wings and stuff but I mean they didn't 
they didn't perform at the last Rocky World Cup as much as we wanted to them. And that's sad to say, but leading up, they were perfect. And then when we got there, they, they weren't. So having that bit of extra added layer of having another competition, like someone like RTS, who his footwork and skill skill is ridiculous, and 28 is nothing. Like, that's, that's probably prime. Start wing, go into midfield. I think he's going to be – I think he's actually going to do – like, I'm not saying he's going to walk into the All Blacks, but I think something similar to an SBW where they're actually going to invest a bit more into him with specialist training. Um, I think he'll be able to to actually give it give it a good crack. And if not, then be able to at least say that he's done it. What Hamish was mentioning about he's going to be setting it up for a – it's a personal decision. Like everyone's talking about is he going to be successful or not. It doesn't – it's kind of beside the fact. The fact is that he's made a decision for himself and his family similar to what an organisation will do in the best interest of the organisation. So I'm actually really excited for RTS to come in and see what he's actually going to be able to bring to to rugby. I think maybe a lot of rugby commentators just think that rugby is just like this, I don't know, elite sport that no one can touch if you're going to cross codes. But to be honest, like if anyone was going to do it, I think that RTS is going to do it. And pressure, like dude's been under pressure his whole career. Like he's been he's been doing this since he was younger. So I don't actually think that there's going to be too much of an issue as as many people are saying, just yep. because RTS. I think he'll. I mean, you talk about pressure. He probably doesn't worry about the external stuff. There'll be a lot of his own internal pressure on himself, though, to perform to a standard that he wants to reach. He must believe that he is good enough to at least play Super Rugby, if not the All Blacks. And I think he will be a good Super Rugby player. I think he reminds me of a guy like Isaiah Toyava, a little bit older, but that same sort of footwork, speed, acceleration and strength off the mark that catches people off guard. Uh, does he have the kicking game to play fullback? I'm not sure. Um, he's obviously a very, very... He's a fierce defender. He's a lot better than any of the other New Zealand rugby fullbacks on D, that's for sure. I mean, in terms of try-saving tackles. So I think he will make a success of it. I don't mean to be harsh on him. I'm not sure if he'll make the 2023 World Cup because just simply because of the logjam of talent and the nuances that come with playing in the midfield and rugby. The outside back changeover from league to rugby is relatively straightforward, especially because he's played in the game before. He understands what you have to do at the breakdown and the backs don't have to be that good in that area. And he's a physical dude, so he won't shy away from it. But I do think the midfield, which is where it's likely that they want him to play, it's a tri- you know playing centre and second five, they, they both have subtle differences. They're not as easy as it looks out there, and you have to be quite a good reader of the game, and that's why I think the All Blacks have missed in the last few years. It's one of the biggest combinations is Ma, uh, Ma Nonu and Conrad Smith. So I do think he'll make a success of rugby. It wouldn't surprise me if he made the All Blacks. Will he be there for the 2023 World Cup? I don't know. In terms of pressure, I think the pressure he puts on himself will be the biggest one out there because he will want to make a success of it. He might want to be like Benji Marshall. he want to be like Sonny Bill and set up his legacy. And... He does, like you say, he's got a background in rugby, so he's been there, done it. Otaho, who captain, he was New Zealand secondary schools and Blues under 18, so he knows the game relatively well. How much has moved on there in terms of skill sets in the outside backs, I'm not too sure in the last 10 years. It's still, you know, catch the ball, run as fast as you can, beat your opponent, be in the right place. Um, can I just interrupt? Yeah. I have some misgivings about what you were saying about legacy and the like. I don't I don't believe that for him, and I think if he were interested in legacy, he would have stayed at the Roosters. I think he opted for semi-retirement by coming to the Auckland Warriors. Sorry, New Zealand Warriors, because... If he were at the Roosters, he would arguably be the finest player in rugby league. He would have won multiple NRL titles. Um, and he just came here and settled for family life and for being a mediocre player in a mediocre team. Like, he's... I think he came here... He's, he's hardly mediocre. <laughs> and, 
Well, but if your team doesn't win anything, you are mediocre. You're an also-ran. He was Dally M fullback of the year in 2018. But imagine what he would do in a decent team. Like, if you're not (laughs) striving for excellence, if you're not looking to win titles, then what are you doing? You don't suddenly switch, flick the switch and go, I'm a rugby player now, so I'll be trying really hard and I'm an elite player. Well, if you're an elite player, he bailed out on elitism. He came and went for settled settled for, it's not even second best, like third or fourth. Maybe the Warriors sold him a dream that they were never going to be able to produce. No, they exactly. He wanted the challenge. That's what I mean about him being able to compete potentially in rugby because the dude wants to. He wants to challenge himself all the time. Coming to the Warriors from a winning Roosters Premiership team, that's a challenge. He was like, "I'm going to be the person or the like part of the group that's potentially going to get the Warriors its first title." That's why he came home. And yes, of course, probably the family aspect played into it. But he could have easily stayed at the Roosters and earned a lot of money and a lot of kudos and titles along with them. But the fact that he wanted to actually make a difference and be known and remembered, similar to what Nathan Brown is saying about being the first coach winning at the Warriors, that's what RTS came home for. And that's what I think he wants to go to the All Blacks for. Is that when it comes to the end of his career, he wants to know, like, I tried absolutely everything to get what I actually wanted on the field, which is he's already ticked everything off in league. So why why would he stay for no challenge? Yeah, it's it's not a mediocre mentality, that's for sure. So, Ashley, where does this leave the Warriors losing Roger? Do you fear for them without him? I mean, any, anyone's going to be anyone's going to lose at a club if you lose a player like RTS. But I mean, it is a, at the end of the day, it's still a business. And as sad as it sounds, they will have people like I mean, they don't have a pipeline coming through with someone of RTS's caliber right now. But he will move on, and someone else will replace him in in a fullback role. But it's not going to be of the same stat, status as him. But, I mean, the next one will just roll roll around, and that's sad. That's why I'm saying, like, he made a decision because at the end of the day, a couple, like, he comes off a contract 2022. Yeah, they may have re-signed him again, but for for what what was in it for him? So, I, uh, yeah, I just, I don't think, like, they're going to be too left out in the dark, the Warriors and NZRL overall, because Pipeline's, Dudes just come through. <laughs> That's how it works. There was also news this week of a potential return to the NRL for Israel Folau, but St. George Illawarra have since abandoned their plans <clears throat> to sign the former dual international. It seems following um, an intense backlash from fans. Um, Hamish, can you see Folau ever playing in the NRL again? No. No, he's... he's um a divisive and distasteful figure. He's also um, an old man at 31, and he'll want a big wage, and you throw it all in the mix, and it's just not worth your trouble. Um, he was offered to two clubs before the Dragons um, had a dart at him. Um, the reaction to that obviously gave them a fright. They abandoned ship within 24 hours, and I'd be staggered if anyone else took him on, to be frank. Cricket has been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons over the past few days. Two incidents of racial abuse have come to the fore. One at a schoolboy tournament in Hawke's Bay, which is under investigation, and another in Wellington Premier Cricket Club, which led to a 9-9 player being suspended for nine weeks after making a racial slur in his side's match against Victoria University. Hamish, you've been involved in cricket for a while. Are these incidents simply an anomaly, or does the sport have a problem? Uh, I played cricket cricket in the premier competition in Wellington in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it was gruelling. 
uh, it was eight or nine hours of sustained abuse. Um, I abused people. I took a two-week suspension uh, for an incident in a game against Johnsonville, Eastern Suburbs against Javel. Um, but you would get off, you would walk off the field absolutely emotionally spent because you would spend all that time calling people names, being called names. It was blimmin' dispiriting. And if you added in a couple of dusty um, umpiring decisions or a failure or two with the bat, you would sit in the dressing room after the game and just wonder why you'd been out there, why anyone bothered. It was just such a demoralising experience. And so we called people names. I certainly called people names. Um, I don't understand the racial thing. I don't understand appearance. I don't understand, you know, whether you've got specs on. I just, you know, you four-eyed something or you fat bloke. You know what I mean? I just don't get that. And I've never gone in for that. But I will say that cricket can be a very, very nasty game. And I've contributed to that. But I, I do not have any understanding or comprehension of going down the racial route, going down the personal appearance route. Um, you can hate people just as much without calling them an actual sort of name like that. Do you know what I mean? We just, just, it's just something about it. You just walk out there and 11 people turn on you. And it's quite isolating, you know what I mean? And so your only response, it's like fight or flight. You either bail or you respond. And then when it's your turn to field, you get into them. And it just goes on and on. And I think cricket has to have a look at that. I mean, that's 20 years ago, my personal experience. But clearly nothing's changed. And in fact, if we're looking at these incidents, especially one in the schoolboy match, far out, things are getting worse. Oh yeah, what? absolutely. I've had this. I've had a similar experience to Hamish as well. I'm not a cricketer. I gave it up uh, when I took, you know, I was third form at high school because it took too long and wasted all Saturday. And I'd much rather spend doing social activities with friends. But uh, cricket. I, after high school, I left, came home. You know, between university stints to hang out at home with mum and do some odd summer jobs. And my old neighbour was the president of the Carpenter Old Boys Cricket Club out the coast. And so he would rope me in for the odd weekend game against a one day game against one of the teams from Hotafenua Carpenter, and the amount of abuse that I copped as an 18-year-old was just beyond belief. I'd played rugby my whole life, and there'd been some games where things were pretty tense. Um, I'd probably even played a few Colts games. I would have played at 21 of these cricketers as well, and things were intense. You know, there was a lot of back and forth going on and, and macho sort of posturing, but everything was sorted out on the field. Hands were shake, shook and shaken after the game. There was never any racial abuse that I encountered, and there was certainly never any sort of personal stuff. It was more like, run it at me. I'll run it back at you. Cricket, on the other hand, boy, oh boy, a lot of middle-aged white men out there just giving it to anyone that's young. You look slightly better looking than them. You're slightly faster than them. You're slightly quicker around the field. They just take it personally. And the, yeah, I couldn't believe the amount of systemic abuse that you cop as a batsman as a, at a young age. I, I said to my mate, Jed, the neighbour, I'm just I'm not going to do this anymore because it's not really for me. Mate, I riffed a rugby game um, a few months ago on the HK comp where you were talking about. This is, club, this is kids under 11's rugby. A kid foot tripped. <laughs> someone and I said mate I'm sorry I'm going to have to penalise you for that he swore at me I think that's more of a reflection of the kids these days than anything else you used the F word at me like dead set and is that uh, my attitude as the referee and as the people on the sideline were frightening me. Like, do I send this kid off? I had no idea. Like, if that's how this kid behaves, yeah. what's what's mum and dad going to be like? Are they going to come on the field and knuckle me? So I just, I tried to talk to this boy, tried mm. to appeal to his better nature and keep the game continuing. But fair income, if 10, 11-year-olds are calling the referee something or other. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, th- I mean, look, I think cricket does have a problem with sledging. It's part of the game, that whole pack mentality against the one batsman that's facing the ball. Um, in terms of racism, New Zealand has a problem with racism. So, Absolutely. of course, it's going to be reflected in cricket, which is, you know, sport often reflects what's going on in society. So, yes, New Zealand has a problem with racism. Therefore, there's going to be problems with racism within sport in New Zealand. I think cricket, though, in particular, has a problem with sledging and with that vitriol um, directed at opponents. And it can come quite personal and people often overstep the boundary in cricket, I think, more often than other sports. So after the investigation by Cricket Wellington, they suspended that player for the remainder of the club season, which equated to nine weeks of play. Ashley, is that severe enough? Uh, I don't know whether or not it's about a duration of being, um, you know, suspended. It's more of whether or not you've actually learned to listen and how long that takes for someone and people in society in general is, is, I'm not sure. I mean, it certainly probably sends a strong message. I don't know how um, long other kind of uh, disciplinary actions have taken, if nine weeks was on the lower end or on a higher end, but I just think... What um, Joe and Hamish are talking to is that actually it's racism, not just it might be heightened in sport and especially cricket, but actually is a societal issue. And if we're really wanting to tackle it, you know, within our sporting grounds and it is actually educating and teaching and, and, and making these kinds of stances because he could get nine, he's got nine weeks, but is he actually going to come back and learn? Is his thoughts and his beliefs and his attitudes actually changing in the nine weeks or is he just going, going to get better at hiding his racist kind of feelings? So um, what I think we need to do now from like a sporting perspective and a, and a societal perspective is that we actually need to to call it out at even a younger age like the guy sorry Hamish um kid you know swearing at um Hamish while he's refereeing and stuff actually saying this kind of behavior is not tolerated and not acceptable from when our babies are small is actually hopefully yeah. going to if, if no parent steps in at that point and says don't say that to the ref you've got an uphill battle though don't you Exactly, and and that that goes with racist slurs as well. Like, have you allowed what 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 have we allowed that that a person at that age, what must be like early twenties, thinks it's okay to not even to say a very one of the worst racial slurs you can you could have, and think that he can get away with it? That and to be honest, it's not surprise it's not surprising. Like when I was reading about it, it's like oh yeah, that kind of. It's not shock anymore, but it, we have to go beyond that and kind of think, actually, what are we teaching our babies? Yes, the, once you get to the professional era and the elite level, yes, definitely should be good role models. But it's actually also all levels as well that you've actually got to say that's that's not okay. And so what, you know, Wellington Cricket or Cricket Wellington have actually done, I think is, is really good. It's actually making a stand on it. And hopefully now we go on to the next step of education and <laughs> and making sure that our babies aren't growing up in a world like that. Finally, before we let you all go, Olympic officials have unveiled the first of many COVID-19 rules for the Tokyo Games this summer, starting by banning singing and chanting during events. The rules for International Federation delegates jointly published in a playbook by the Tokyo Olympic organisers and the IOC range from regular hand-washing protocols to disinfecting dining tables after eating. There will be separate playbooks for athletes and media, but one that has caught my eye is that participants will be allowed to support fellow athletes athletes by clapping but not by singing or chanting don't know how that is going to work if these olympics go ahead it's going to be pretty weird to watch right look i'm on the record uh, several times as saying i think the olympics should not be on and uh, i wouldn't worry about 
clapping and cheering, assembling athletes, coaches, officials and media from 100-odd countries is more of a health risk to me than a bit of... So let's, um, yeah, let's call the whole Bobby thing off. How annoying would that be? You're going to go and support your family or your friends at the Olympics that does go ahead in the middle of a global pandemic and you can't sing or chant or cheer for them other than clapping. Like, it's like they're just pulling straws out of, like, this is our one protocol that's going to help the spread. I just think it's ridiculous. Like, Hamish, yeah. Wanaka snowboarder Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott now has five X Games medals after kicking off 2021 with success in Aspen, Colorado. The teenage snowboarding sensation won two medals this week, a silver in the slope style and a bronze in the big air event. She also won the bronze medal at the 2018 Winter Olympics for the big air when she was just 16. RNZ's Finlay Dunseith caught up with Sadowski Sinnott after her latest success and asked her how she was coping, competing amid COVID-19 and what 2021 has in store for her. It's been pretty crazy this year uh, given the fact that COVID-19 has definitely changed things. We were only allowed one extra person to bring along to X Games and that was my coach and he wasn't even allowed to come to the top of the course. So yeah, it's really just the athletes this year and was tested twice during X Games for precaution of um, COVID. And, yeah, it was really just a week of being there to snowboard and compete and none of the the huge media stuff that they usually have. And did you find that that different, uh, the change in environment, did that affect your preparation at all? Not really, yeah. The change in environment was definitely, uh, definitely a lot different than usual, but I thought it was awesome because, it was we were solely there to focus on the snowboarding and um, the performance. Preparing for X Games, uh, previously I was in Europe uh, at the start of January and had already had a taste of um, the COVID precautions and things like that and gotten used to it. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad going into X Games. What are your goals uh, looking ahead for the rest of the year? I'm currently in Jackson Hole in Wyoming and I'm doing a, a backcountry free ride competition called Natural Selection and it's an event where that Travis Rice uh, is hosting where all the best backcountry riders uh, showcase their natural terrain uh, skills and yeah I got in as a wild card so I'm going to be here for the next 10 days and then following that I'm going to be training for world champs we're not entirely sure where or when it's going to be but I'm always going to stay prepared and Yeah, just keep progressing and training. And just going back to the X Games quickly, um, you achieved your goal of pulling off a uh, backside and a frontside 1080. How did that feel to, you know, get those under your belt? Yeah, that was my goal going into the event. And, yeah, on the day, the conditions were just perfect. It was bluebird. Um, The snow conditions were amazing and no wind whatsoever. All the rest of the other girls were absolutely sending it, and I've never seen a snowboard bigger um, comp like it before. So, yeah, it really fired me up to put down my tricks and tried the backside 1260 on my last cut after I got the front and the back 10. And really, I knew that I had to do it if I wanted to win. And so, yeah, I'd never even tried the trick before, but I knew I'd done all the preparation for it, so it was the perfect time. Um, under the X Games setting to uh, huck a new trick for me. and so A lot of the other girls were doing it and have been for a while, but for me, I was 
really working on those back-to-back tens. So to be able to have the opportunity to try it at X Games was just so cool. That brings us to the end of Extra Time. Many thanks to Hamish Bidwell, Joe Porter and Ashley Stanley. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio and of course at rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating if you would. That helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Bridget Tunnicliffe. Harira. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.